Ladies and gentlemen, pay attention. This is your boy, the coach from the WWE. I would like to welcome you to the very first wrestling podcast in the world to take you on a weekly deep dive in the classic matches along with legends of the squared circle. Enjoy the discussion. Enjoy the back and forth. There's so much to get into. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the payoff. It's a new year, and we are covering a new D-Generation X. This is Tom Healy, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Jeffrey Ryan. Jeff, as Triple H said this very night, you look to your friends, you look to the click. So, Jeff, how the hell are you doing? Happy uh, 2020, my friend. Like, look at us back at it, doing it again. Uh, this is exciting. We took a little bit of time off, but uh, the fans, uh, we heard them and they wanted us to come back and we had planned on it. But uh, here we are, uh, excited to uh, bring a new episode to everyone. So um, this should be a great one. Of course, uh, back in uh, the news again, because uh, he's in the ring, Billy Gunn joining us. And so uh, this should be fun. Uh, you know, I saw him myself in live action. Uh, not too long ago story I'll save for a little bit later, but, uh, you know, uh, new age outlaws and degeneration X uh, over 20 years. Like it's crazy to think about that. Like, you know, over half my life, degeneration X has been a thing. And so, uh, talking about his career, talking about what they are, it's absolutely worth discussing. So, um, as always that reminder, we know everybody loves it. Subscribe to the payoff. It's a new year. We want new subscribers. We know new people checking us out. And so make sure to subscribe to the payoff, no matter where you're listening. If you can give us those five stars, we love seeing that stuff. And of course, spread the word about the show. It's great hearing from fans and and people that are like, oh, I've heard about you guys from so-and-so on some show, whatever it might be, spread the word. And we love that stuff. So as always, like seeing those followers as well, too, on all the social media, at uh, PayoffPod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are always out there. Of course, Payoff Tom, Payoff Jeff. You can always reach out to us, too. Love seeing that stuff. So Tom, new year, new show. What else do you want to share? Well, you should have made up some dramatic story. You you built this suspense like we weren't going to come back. That was obviously never the case. But you could have you could have told some story about, eh, we were thinking about calling it quits, but you know we just couldn't let our fans down. And we now we've always planned on coming back, but it was nice to take a couple weeks off for the holidays. And uh, hopefully, you guys all had a, a great holiday season, a great New Year's. Jeff, do you have any New Year's resolutions? I was going to say I should have worn my salmon suit a lot. Like that would have uh, announced our retirement and then fooled everybody. So uh, New Year's resolutions? No, I'm not a big fan. Uh, don't call them intentions either. Uh, don't have any big resolutions. You know, I was going to the gym before. I'm still going to the gym now. I'm ready for the resolutionist to get out of the gym. Um, and so um, doing that. But no, that's I'm cooking more. And so Ooh. I'm enjoying. Yeah, I got a KitchenAid mixer from Santa. And so uh, I've been making my own bread. I'm trying to eat a little bit healthier. So maybe that's. I figure at uh, 35, I should, uh, you know, cut back on some of the McDonald's. So uh, trying to eat a little bit healthier in 2020. And you're still doing your DDPY? I am still doing the yoga. I I did a 
bad job of it over the holiday. And so, but I'm going to pick it back up. I'm still doing that. And so, um, yeah, you know, just out there doing that stuff, trying to take care of myself. I, I broke my resolution already. I, I told you what it was. I said, uh, I'm going to try, I'm going to try to only watch pay-per-views and not watch Raw and SmackDown during the week. And I think the day after I told you that, I watched like an hour and a half of Raw one night live. Sucks us back in, man. Every we we can't it's we can't break up with it no matter what we do. Oh, I'll tell you what. Um, so you know, I sent you the the screenshot over the holidays. Um at oh, the yeah. end of the at the end of the year, they give us this like recap of like you know, how the podcast did on, on the service we used to, you know, upload it and stream it. We had over a hundred thousand people that have listened to our shows in 2019. I, I, was, I saw that. I'm like, Holy shit. Like I like, you know, I mean, I see the numbers every week, but when you look at it in totality, you realize we only launched like halfway through the year. I mean, that's awesome. And, and, you know, a major, major thank you to everyone that's listening and continue to listening, you know, we're growing and, and, you know, working really hard at this, but it was just, it was just wild to see that written. So, you know, we're going to keep plugging away. Uh, 2019 was an awesome year. We had some great guests, met some great people. Um, we got some really cool people lined up for 2020. We're going to continue making the show better. Um, Thank you to all of you for listening, supporting the show, chatting on social media, giving us feedback, giving us ideas, sharing our stuff. That all means a lot. Jeff, we did a live event at StarCast. That was awesome. Um, and I, I think we learned a lot about this. So hopefully 2020, we continue to grow and, and keep making this thing better. Yeah, going into 2019, I don't think either of us expected to be uh, on stage doing a wrestling podcast by the middle of that year. And so, no, um, but absolutely worth it, though. Uh, of course, we thank the fans that were there for that as well, too. And so um, that was a great weekend. You'll never forget that one. But um, 2020, more in store, more, more of the payoff. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of our goals too, and I, I don't mind sharing this is, uh, you know, we're going to start looking for some sponsors that'll support the show. And that way we can continue to invest in the show and get great guests and make sure we have the best software and editing tools and all that stuff. So that's something we're going to be looking for as well. And, uh, if you know anyone, Tom at payoffpod.com or Jeff at payoffpod.com or, Pay off Tom, pay off Jeff on Twitter. So let us know and love to find someone in the wrestling arena, perhaps, that wants to be in front of thousands of fans each week and support the show and help us continue to grow. So with that being said, let's quickly run through what we do, how we do it. Um, as everyone knows, and, and those of you that are new to the show, you know we don't talk about the current product. Uh, we try to bring you fresh and in interesting information each week that's a little bit different. Um, and, and we try to have fun with this stuff. We have fun with the guests. We have fun with each other. So uh, thanks for being along for the ride. And uh, again, if you're new to the show, check out the archives, um, wherever you listen to podcasts, go back and scroll through some of the stuff we've done and find some interesting shows, right? Find some of those matches that, you know, you loved as a kid or, or you recently discovered and give them a listen because uh, hopefully you learn a few things and are entertained and it's fun to revisit these matches. So with that being said, I guess, Jeff, walk through the format for the show each week for those that are new or as a refresher, and then we can jump right into things. 
Yeah, we had a little time off. We know our fans had a little time off. So, of course, we give you that deep dive into a match every Monday. And each episode, of course, has those three parts. The build, the payoff, the aftermath. You know what they're all about, but we talk about what happened before the match and got us to the match. We talk about the match itself. And then, of course, we talk about what happened after the finish of the match. So, And then we get into sharing a few reviews, some write-ups, maybe just some interesting facts or kind of things happening in the wrestling world that we find out around that, around that time. And then Tom and I, we like to give it a score. Why not? And so uh, we throw it out there, kind of talk about what we like, what we didn't like. And, of course, hindsight, retrospect, we have that kind of gift too until we talk about these things so give it our payoff score as well so um good stuff is course so uh we'll jump right in so tom why did you want to discuss this match obviously i love this moment right this is one of i, I don't want i maybe not my favorite moments in the history of wrestling but it's just one of those things i remember and it's it's up there right this was awesome and it kicked off a new era it was historic and again 20 years later when dx comes out for a surprise uh appearance we're still going batshit crazy right so uh this one's a big one and, and there's a lot of moving pieces that we're going to talk about the other thing that's really fun about this and why i wanted to cover it is this is arguably the first major night after WrestleMania raw moment to ever take place. So this is fun for a number of reasons. And uh, I'm just excited to talk about it. What about you? Yeah, I could research and just watch clips of Degeneration X all day. Um, you know, sometimes we fall into that rabbit hole too, and like we end up watching them anyways. But it was really just lightning in a bottle, and they sustained super long success. That I mean, it took them to the Hall of Fame, plain and simple. And so, um, and I've over the course of the show, I make no secret of loving just a good faction or like a, a good stable. Um, I think that especially some of the groups that are successful nowadays, it's because of that. You look at like undisputed era and um, you know, some of these groups that run together. Um, I, I, you know, feel free to give me shit for this Twitter, but um, you know, I, I got to ask like, you know, were they like the most influential kind of group ever? Maybe I don't. I would say top three, like you know, top, like when you think of like stables in those factions, I'm like, who comes to mind? You know, there's some big ones, but uh, man, they've got to be at the close to the top of the mountain. Tom, you got any you liked? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I gotta. I, I know it's such a cliche, you know, answer, but I still think in a lot of ways the NWO was was the biggest faction of all time. Um, yeah. That being that being said, look, it got stale a lot quicker than DX got stale. I mean, you know, that's the thing you forget about with the NWOs. You 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 know, you remember the the Hogan heel turn and all the good stuff and the 83 weeks, but I'll tell you what, you know, it quickly got overpacked. It wasn't that entertaining. They stopped being heels and got into that kind of weird spot where, like, are they are we supposed to cheer them or boo them? Then they had the, you know, the the wolf pack plus the black and white. You know, then they had the finger poke of doom and they came back together. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I think faction, I think NWO as being, like, the best ever. But as I talk through it, I'm like, yeah, there was some pretty lame stuff that occurred and they didn't really have a lot of longevity and it quickly went from being cool to kind of sucking and they never really 
rediscovered it, if you will. Um, so I, you know, I was not an NWA guy, but you know, maybe I'd argue that the four horsemen was better because it paved the way for, you know, factions. Right. So I, I don't know. I mean, influential, I, I, again, I was not like, I didn't watch it growing up, but I might argue four horsemen because it kind of paved the way and it was the first, you know, of its kind. Um, but then, you know, I think NWO just in the era I've been watching, um, DX obviously has its redeeming qualities as well. Uh, what, what, what about you? I'm super disappointed that you didn't discuss uh payoff favorite, the dungeon of doom is one of your favorite factions. <laughs> and so <laughs> that one, uh, that's actually my goal for 2020. And it should be one of the payoff goals is we need to get all of the members of the dungeon of doom that are still alive on the show. And so um, that's what I want <laughs> for okay. 2020. Okay. And, and, and my, and my wish for the payoff is the same in 2020 as it was in 2019. Do you know what that is, Jeff? What? I want Marty Janetti. Yeah, you do it. Marty, he's been active on Twitter lately. If that's Has actually he? him. Yeah, that's it's a little nutty, but yeah. <laughs> um, I, I will Marty, if you're listening, I will fly to wherever you live. I will sit there with you and we will record as many episodes as you want. And I'll bring the Jack and Coke. How do I know that Marty Janay <laughs> likes Jack and Coke? Because I was buying them for him at WrestleMania in Dallas a number of years ago. That was the night that he fell into the fountain. Uh, yes. That's a total shoot. Yep. See, all right. Is, these are the things. So who's your, fa- yeah. well, who's your favorite faction of all time? Um, for me, like, uh, well, one we didn't talk about would, it was actually the bullet club. And so I have to kind of look at that one as well too. Um, I, if I had to pick, like we're looking at those top ones, if I had to pick NWO over DX, I would pick DX is probably my favorite, Ooh. like from past, like I, I like undisputed era now, but they just don't have the history. But, um, yeah, I think degeneration, I would put degeneration X over the NWO and like the horsemen and all those other ones, but definitely top of the mountain. So I'm sure we'll catch shit for that on Twitter, but this is the world we live in. So that's, that's okay. So with all that faction stable, degenerate degeneration X, Billy Gunn, how about we get right into the build? Oh, it's time for the build. All right. It's the build. It's WWF Raw, the night after WrestleMania 14, March 30th, 1998. My favorite part about this, Jeff, okay, WrestleMania 14, big show, right? You know, it's in the Northeast, and then we end up in Albany, New York at the Pepsi Arena. Sellout crowd, crowd, 11,000, but man, how much has WrestleMania weekend changed? Think about it. We now get... NXT in in the arena, the Hall of Fame in the arena, WrestleMania in a stadium nearby, Raw back in that same arena. They used to have SmackDown on Tuesdays. Now I'm assuming they won't do it in the same city, although I guess they may do it Friday. They may do it in the same city. I I don't know what the lineup is for this year. Regardless, it's it's, three, four arena shows plus a stadium show. Um, It's crazy. I mean, I've seen the idea floated online of, what if you made WrestleMania two nights you know, I, at first I was like, that's just a terrible idea. And then the more you think about it, you're like, well, it is a seven hour show. They do cut some stuff short. There are some talent that we'd like to see on the show that aren't. You do have two world titles for the men, two world titles for the women. Eh, you could do it. But 
anyways, the point just, being, it, well, and to your point, it just worked really well for Wrestle Kingdom, which was two weeks ago or however long. Yeah, ago it was. correct, so, correct. So and it, it, that went over really well, I think. So it's something to think about, and there could even be some, you know, continuity between night one and night two. I don't know. I, you know, just throwing it out there. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw it in our lifetime. So this is that period where, again, you had you had the WrestleMania, but then, you know, all of a sudden we're just on to a new city. Um, I think at one point they used to sometimes not even have a live Raw the night after WrestleMania, or maybe that was years ago before Raw. But my point is, is that the night after WrestleMania in 1994 didn't mean anything, right? It now was starting to mean something. And this is one of the first real kind of, you know, big shows that took place and really started building momentum for that proverbial Raw after WrestleMania. So let me quickly run through the show. Um, Jeff, we can talk more about this later, but I know we sometimes romanticize about the Attitude Era. And I think people that maybe didn't even watch the Attitude Era or bitch about the current product and be like, well, back in the attitude era, let me tell you something, man, not everything was perfect. It wasn't two hours of, you know, rock and roll, great matches, great angles, hot crowd. All right. Um, yeah, there was some stuff that wasn't all that great. So let me, let me tell you about this show. Okay. Um, and this is, you know, the night after Steve Austin wins the world title. So the Austin era has begun. Um, Vince McMahon shows up, uh, he gets a stunner. Then we get the LOD 2000, the new Legion of Doom against Los Bariquas. Okay. Quick match, 30 seconds. Then we get Kurgan versus Chains. Okay. So when you're watching Raw on Monday and you're complaining about, you know, something taking place, just remember that in this perfect attitude era, Kurgan versus Chains was an actual match. Um, Tennessee Lee introducing a new Jeff Jarrett gimmick. Uh, he'd win a squash. Farouk and the Rock against Ken Shamrock and Steve Blackman. Then Triple H comes out. He does, and if you haven't seen this in a while or forget it, he does this incredible promo, which I'll talk more about, um, where he says, look, you know, it's a new DX, and you look to your friends, you look to the click, out comes Sean Waltman, one, two, three kid, now known as X-Pac, and he delivers this just awesome, what felt like a shoot promo, probably because it was, there wasn't a script back then, keep in mind, on WCW, Hulk Hogan, says Hall and Nash wish they could be there. So we're off and running with this new DX. Then we get Marvelous Mark Marrow against Taka Michinuku. We get the new Midnight Express against the Headbangers. Um, and then we get a promo from Kane. He wants a, a rematch against The Undertaker, who he lost to the night before. So, you know, leading up to this main event, it kind of sucked, Jeff. You know, I mean, there, there was that great Triple H promo, but uh, it wasn't all that wonderful, okay? And again, this is the night after WrestleMania. And then we get the main event, which is what we're here to talk about, Cactus Jack and Terry Funk um, against the New Age Outlaws. So um, just an overview. You know, I've got some thoughts on it, but... Walk us through, Jeff, from a storyline standpoint, how we got to the New Age Outlaws together, them wrestling in this match, why they had the rematch from WrestleMania against uh, Cactus Jack and Terry Funk. Oh, I can't get over that. Just that mat or that barn burner that was Kurrigan versus Chains. Like that just, oh, can't, you know, enough can't be said about how good that had to be. So. Well, and, 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 and Jeff, according to my notes, the match was two minutes and 20 seconds. So I, I'd, I'd say that was probably about two minutes too long. 
not not quite a squash, but uh, not quite you know one for the ages. So um, we got Kurgan for uh, HOF twenty twenty. So um, yeah, so let's re- rewind a little bit uh, and talk just about you know our previous episode with Billy Gunn, of course, our guest today. So October nineteen ninety seven, uh, as we said previously, we had the then uh, Jesse James, not Road Dog yet. He turned down Honky Tonk Man's offer to become his manager. Um, you know, Jesse James was was feuding with both Honky Tonk and Rockabilly, and of course, this led to Billy turning on Honky Tonk. Um, just briefly, you know, Jesse was cutting the promo that just absolutely they was really good, and like Tom said unscripted, like just destroying and burying honky tonk man, but at the same time getting Billy over and of course, you know, turned on him, broke his guitar over his head. And then Jesse and Billy left the ring together. Um, it was almost like immediately, it was actually kind of like the taping that occurred. So it was the next show that Rockabilly was being called badass Billy Gunn and Jesse was being called Road Dog. So um, I think even I forgot as I was kind of doing my research and maybe I just didn't totally realize that they weren't immediately a part of Degeneration X. It did take a little bit of time. It did take some building to get there, but um, it was worth it. So when these two, in, you know, you wonder like, you know, they first came out and they had no music. It was just Road Dog kind of using his mic skills, kind of talking. And I wonder, is it like, you know, nowadays where they don't really have a plan for it? They just kind of put them together, throw them out there. We'll see what happens. And it worked. And so, you know, now there's so much, you know, scripting and kind of that goes into it. But, um, that was another word. They were, they were heels and, and you know, like you talk about the attitude era and you know who were supposed to cheer and boo and all this other stuff. Like, you know, they were heels, but you cheered against them because they were you know, for them really, because they were so good at being heels. And so you booed at them because they were very good at what they were doing, not because you were supposed to boo or react a certain way. Like they were really good at what they did. So um, it was just about a month, maybe month and a half after the two of them formed, they actually won the tag titles beating the Legion of Doom. Um, as we said in uh, our aftermath of an earlier episode, that not only did they win the titles that night, uh, but they also, that is when they got the Outlaws name. And so, um, and because of the fact that they stole the win, they ran out to a waiting car. Um, it was actually Jim Ross that kind of brought up that name and they was like, you know, Outlaws leaving a robbery. So, um, you know, that's how we had the, we started with the formation of the outlaws. And so how do they start interacting with Gen- Degeneration X? I can't say that right today. I don't know why. Degeneration X. So at the Royal Rumble, it was January, 1998. And so it was actually uh, what I'll say, you know, two main events, whatever it might've been. This was the main event outside of the actual rumble. It was Shawn Michaels versus the undertaker in a casket match. The two of them had been feuding since SummerSlam. And so if any, for one, it reminds me that I really miss a long build because this is, you know, it was six months of it, which is great. But if you're following like just know the WWE timeline or, you know, understand, you know, we've talked about this a little bit before and even some of these matches during that time between SummerSlam and Royal Rumble, you had the debut of Kane as well too. 
So we had that, but it was a good match actually between Michaels and the Undertaker. But the the Outlaws interfered. Of course, Triple H and China were ringside for that one as well too. But the Outlaws interfered. They tried to help Degeneration X, which there was actually some other shenanigans in this match because it was actually Kane turned against the Undertaker as well, uh, which led to that long feud. And so. Michaels ended up winning because there was a choke slam on the undertaker that put him in the casket, closed the casket, Michael, it was a whole thing. And so, but go back and watch it. It was definitely very good. So the outlaws had interfered, interfered in that match. And so um, you got that's January, 1998. So month later, February, you've got, what is probably one of like, I, I say, you know, if you talk about attitude era and like defining moments in it, the New Age Outlaws pushing Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie over the stage or off the end of the stage in a dumpster. Tom, did you watch that clip as we were kind of kind of working through some of this? Did you catch that one again? Yeah, and, I, and I've seen it a bunch of times. That was... So what, what's interesting about that clip is, you know, I, I guess if you look at it now and you're seeing it for the first time... I don't think it has the same effect as it had at that time. Yeah. In 1998, that was a big deal. And that was a, holy shit, what just happened? Those guys are dead moment. I mean, it really was. That was crazy. Again, because of the high spots we've seen, because of all the people that have fallen off the stage and tables broken and, you know, the TLCs and everything else. I don't think it holds up, but let me tell you at the time, it was like, wow. So then that's why that match at WrestleMania was just so important because there was this crazy build that cemented the new age outlaws as these like really badass, dangerous heels. Cause as wrestlers, there's nothing about them, but like together in that tag team setting, you know, what, what funk and Jack did for their careers, like it's massive. So my point is, that was a huge moment. That was like crazy. I don't necessarily think it holds up, but at the time, that really, really put them over his heels and was a really big holy shit moment. It's only in wrestling that you can lock someone in a dumpster, push it off a stage, and get a gigantic pop for doing it. So um, not pretty much frowned upon in the real world, but man. And it was one of those where, you know, I always think of like the edge spear off the ladder is just being like one of the defining like camera moments that we don't get that anymore of like the camera pops when like a huge moment and this was one when the dumpster went off the stage i felt like there was some but there wasn't like a ton because i don't think everybody realized exactly what they were going to do and so when they push it off like some people got it but you couldn't not everybody could anticipate it so it was super and jr did a incredible job of selling it as like you said they were dead they were going to open the dumpster and and find two dead bodies when they opened it up oh yeah like the locker room cleared out you had like sergeant slaughter and all kinds of other people like checking to like make sure they were dead and all like it was so that act and that build you know was a big part of that so well we got because you didn't because they didn't do it every week you know now it's you know yeah uh, you know twice a week you're seeing a guy go through a table to end a show 
or you see like fake like electric sparks you know it's just like that it's yeah. so kooky when they do that but like you can't you know i had that it was conversations you know though of course the old argument it's fake it's like well it's not fake and i was watching with someone and even she was like oh like that was a real thing i think it was a women's match but they were like really charlotte and somebody but they were laying into each other and she's like that's not fake i was like no it's not like they got pushed off of, like they had, they had to sit in a dumpster and get pushed off the stage like that's real so yeah so we got all that so of course this led to of course the famous pay-per-view in your house it was no way out texas and so um it was an eight-man tag so you had the new age outlaws triple h and savio vega who was actually filling in for Shawn michaels for this one uh suitable replacement yeah, absolutely. And, and I think and it was a surprise too. It was like the most underwhelming surprise in the history of wrestling. And replacing Shawn Michaels, Slavia Vega. Uh, you you know, go. oh yeah. gosh, could it be Sid? Could it be like, you know, the ultimate where I don't anyone? And it's like yep. it's Savia Vega. Savio Vega. So there was the four of them against Chainsaw Charlie or Terry Funk. I'll probably use it interchangeably now. Cactus Jack and Owen Hart and Steve Austin. So not a bad team on that side. So um, they ended up losing the match of like the outlaws, and but it led to a dumpster match at WrestleMania 14, March 29th, 1998. So the build going on for a little bit here where um, Cactus and Chainsaw, they defeated the outlaws for the tag titles. So, interesting that like the two of them and we'll talk about it on a future episode and kind of terry funk's career but he had he was really like on loan from ecw at this point he had come over for a little bit to kind of to be there but um so we head into really the payoff here with uh i will say cactus and chainsaw in quotes defeating um, the New Age Outlaws for the tag titles. There was, of course, some shenanigans, which we'll get to in the aftermath of this. But the two of them having the tag titles and uh, Billy Gunn, uh, Badass, and Road Dog uh, having lost. So I will stop there because, like I said, we have some more in the aftermath on kind of immediate aftermath of that. But, Tom, I know you had a couple other notes. Dude, I, you know, there's a lot like in my research for the show. And I, you know, I mean, there's, there's a ton we can talk about here. Uh, just, a, just a couple quick things and, and a couple questions for you. Uh, you know, first of all, I love the build to this match. Um, and then of course the, the kind of payoff of, of what would happen here that we're going to discuss. Another thing is you brought up that HBK taker match. You know, I don't know if a lot of people remember these guys had some great matches prior to the two WrestleMania classics, right? And to, for whatever reason, man, the chemistry between those two, it's up there with like Austin Rock, uh, you know, and a handful of other, you know, people that for whatever reason, just gel and it's, it's magic. And so um, go back and watch that one if you haven't seen it. You know, obviously their Hell in a Cell match was great. They had a, I want to say, an in-your-house or a King of the Ring match that was really good. You know, so there's a lot there, um, just off the top of my head, but a lot of good stuff there. Uh, the Triple H... Was, it, I was going to say, it was a long match, too. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot was going like 20, on. 25 minutes or something like that. But yeah, they had a lot of storytelling in it, but it was a long one. And then, obviously, when, you know, uh, Shawn Michaels jacks up his back, man, go watch that. It was like, why did you take that bump? I mean, you know, of course, who would have known it would end his career for four years or whatever. But, yeah, it was a, just a nasty bump, and it 
I mean, didn't really look that great on TV. It's not like it was, you know, some big dramatic thing. You would have never known he got hurt if you didn't hear about it. Um, the Triple H promo, it was incredible. Now, you know, it's again, you look back at Triple H, you're like, oh, well, you know, became a big star world champion 15 times or whatever, uh, married the boss's daughter. But keep in mind at this point, he was not a main eventer, he was not a proven star. Shawn Michaels is out of the picture. He had been in Shawn Michaels' shadow. He was paired with a female bodyguard. I mean, there was no guarantee this guy was going to be able to stand on his own two feet. Here he comes out for this promo, and he just delivers. It was an awesome, awesome promo. It got him into that top star category real quick, and then him teeing up Shawn Waltman. Waltman comes out after he'd been fired by WCW. So the timing of all this is perfect. He rips them to shreds. Great shoot interview, no scripts. It's just two guys just, you know, sharing what's on their mind. It was just phenomenal. Go back and watch it. So, you know, who knows if we'll ever see anything like this again. I mean, you know, here we are all these years later. I mean, 20 plus years later, and I'm sitting there watching this earlier today as I'm getting ready for this show. And I'm like, man, that was a good promo. Like, it's still a great promo. Um, China, man, you know, this was like muscled up pre-plastic surgery China, just <laughs> looking like a bad, you know, you know what. And, oh, it was awesome. Holding the European title, looking great, not saying a damn word. I mean, just getting great heat. So I love that. Um, this is big. This is the night after Austin wins the title. So the Austin era has begun. I want to cover that match um, just because there was so much happening around it. But off the top of your head, Jeff, is there a, I mean, I, I'm, I'm biased towards the build to the big first time world champion winning at WrestleMania. So I'm thinking like the warrior beating Hogan and getting the world title, Shawn Michaels, the boyhood dream has come uh, true or uh, has come through uh, Austin. The Austin era has begun. I love those moments. I mean, off the top of your head, are there any like first time world champions winning at WrestleMania with like incredible builds that you in the past 25 years that you like more than those? Maybe Brian. And that Brian. happened by accident. They didn't even want to give him the damn title. Yeah, yeah, so it's almost like I, it happened yeah. despite them, not because of them. But yeah, I know and, what you're saying. And that's what I was going to say is like the build build for that was because the fans wanted it and not because it was what WWE wanted. And so, yeah, that was tough. You know, it's a, it, it's got it in regards to the build. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. So I, I just, I love, I used to love when, and it didn't happen every year, but I used to love those, you know, first time champion at WrestleMania. You know, I, I think I even think about WrestleMania nine with, um, Bret Hart, you know, losing to Yokozuna and, and they, instead of them forcing the title on Bret for the first time over flair on a house show, I would have loved to have seen Bret Hart crown champion for the first time. Right. So I just, I love those moments and, and we just don't get many of them. I mean, I don't think we're going to get one this year. I, I don't know, but I, I just, I love, I love those moments. So that, that really stuck out to me. Um, and then the last thing we talked a little bit about this uh, on the previous episode, we had Billy Gunn on, but I just love putting two random guys 
together that are floating, but there's some chemistry. They get along backstage, they're buddies and just say it, Hey, just go out and have fun and see what happens. And I wish we got more of that. Um, Cause there has to be something there. They have to be friends. They have to want to ride together. It has to be organic. And, you know, I just, I love like a good tag team. And uh, sometimes again, throwing two random guys together can be really good or putting two lifelong friends together like edge and Christian or two brothers like the Hardys. So, you know, just being a little bit more deliberate as to who you put together and giving them time. I mean, even more recently, Cesaro and Sheamus, they had no business being together, but I thought they were a really good tag team. So um, that's all I have. I know we covered a lot. Um, with that being said, I guess let's get into the payoff. Let's talk about this match with Billy Gunn. It's easily accessible on YouTube by, uh, looking at the new age outlaws joining DX. You can also find it on the WWE network. Uh, this is the three thirty ninety eight raw. So it's March 30th, 1998. And, uh, we begin after the, you hear the ding, ding, ding at the one twenty three mark. Uh, it's right when this match starts on the, uh, episode of raw. So with that being said, it's time for the payoff. Oh, it's time for the payoff. All right, we are here with Billy Gunn. It's the night after WrestleMania 14. Billy, welcome to the payoff. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. This will be quite the quite the relived memory, won't it? Well, now, how, where's this rank? Where does this night rank all time in your career? Um, it's you know, I'm gonna say top fifty. <laughs> no, no, it's you know, it was it was one of the good ones. I mean, this is when we joined DX. I believe that's what this is, right? It sure is. Seen the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, me and me and um, Road Dog were super hot. Um, that's see that nice mark right there. That's when I um, yeah, which yeah, which move was that from the night before? That's when I power bombed Terry into the dumpster. Oh, yeah. And I caught, he caught the side and never even, and never blinked a lick. Like I literally crushed him. I thought I killed him and I felt so bad. And he looked at me and goes, I don't even know what happened. I went, Oh my God, you're the toughest human on the planet. <laughs> He's the greatest guy ever, you know, cause he knows, he knows it wasn't, it was, it wasn't done. Literally. It was just a mistake, you know, just up, not judging the, you know, yes, it was my fault. We, I didn't judge the dumpster the right way, and he caught the corner of it, and just like it just almost separated his hip, like he needed that to happen. So, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you loved working with the two of them during this run. Oh, it was so good. Yeah, because they were, you know, they helped us out a lot. Kind of, you know, plus they were both super cool. So it was a lot of fun. I mean, this when we joined DX at the end of this, we, me and Brian were super hot. I mean, we were smoking hot and we were kind of like DX was hot. Um, Sean and Hunter was super hot. We were hot. I would, I would go ahead and say that we were hotter than they were. I'm going to say that because I can. And, <laughs> and it's probably the truth. It really is. But we were, you know, just doing some crazy stuff, having a lot of fun, being said, there's our shirts. They were awesome. Um, but, um, and 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 Sean was leaving due to his back injury, and 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 Hunter wanted to keep this going, so he would just he was looking, and it was a, to me it was like how do you not like it was a natural fit. We sure. were just as entertaining as they were doing kind of the same stuff, but in our kind of doing our stuff, and they were doing their stuff. So why would you not put us together if you were looking for somebody to put together? 
So walk us through it. How, how far in advance did you know that you were going to be joining DX? Who brought it up to you? Whose decision was it? How'd that all happen? It was, I think it was just like a, uh, a Vince Russo and, and it had to be a Sean and Hunter thing too. They, you know, it was, it was like, what, who, who do we put to kind of make this DX thing better than it, than the original? Um, I think all of us had a, had a chemistry that was, that was, far better than any any group that's ever been together um i might you might argue that the four horsemen had great chemistry which they did they're my top heel faction or top faction of all time i just think the original four horsemen were awesome but i think you have to put us second just because we didn't oversaturate ourselves we didn't let everybody in we didn't, it was a, a select group. You had a tag that was really good. You had a couple single guys that were really good. And you had China in there that was just absolutely amazing. So, I mean, we had everything that you could want in a faction. And the chemistry with all of us was amazing. And the entertainment and, the, and now you get a work ratio with it. I mean, you couldn't go wrong. And, and, and I don't know exactly whose idea and putting all everybody together because me and Brian never were into the office stuff. It was, they would come to us and go, hey, what do you guys think of this? And we went, we and him talked and we go, sure. I mean, <laughs> if that's what y'all want to do, we're, we're good with it. You know, we don't, we don't cause waves. We were, we were just happy to do some stuff. And I'm sure when they pitched it to you, you were pretty excited about it. About joining. The- yeah, of course we were. Who wouldn't want to be like they, you know, they had all, you know, of course they, you know, when you're in this, you want all the TV time you can possibly get. And they were getting a lot of it. So, oh, yeah. so you know, why would you not, why would you not want to be on TV? And they were on it. So let's be a part of it. And then they got to put us on TV too all the time. So cool. Were you, were you pretty banged up from your WrestleMania match for this night? Um, not really. I'm, I've never really been like I'm not really banged up that much. I'm like I'm. I'm always been pretty good at, at at managing myself and managing my body stuff, and I always take care of myself at doing stuff that I need to do to make sure that I can perform every single night. Because back then it was just it was <laughs> just all it was. You had to be on all the time. Well, and you're still working now. How old are you now? Fifty five. Yeah, and sure as hell don't look it. And you're still out there. How often do you work in matches now? Um, well, I just got back. I did three. To, I work every weekend. I literally work every weekend. You know, I just, I still love what I do. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't, do, like, if I couldn't perform at a level that I want to perform at, like, if I was just sluggish, but I, but I have a, my, my diet is on point. My training is on point. I have people around me that, keep me in in great shape and give me great advice on stuff i have a wife that's absolutely amazing and takes care of all my nutrition stuff so i'm still able to perform at a level that i'm happy to perform at if i were ever to be you know not happy or not love what i'm doing then i wouldn't do this anymore but people still get excited to see me and don't get me wrong i understand when people see me what they see me for it's it's a nostalgic thing normally they have their kids with them and they get to go oh my god this is who i grew up watching this is who you've seen on the network and i and you know so i i still perform at a level that i want to so i'm okay and i can and i can still i don't you know, I, I think about two times a weekend is about my limit right now, <laughs> but, 
but I still love it and I still have fun and the people love seeing me. So as long as they love seeing me, I'm okay with that. All right. So here comes uh, Triple H, X-Pac, China. Places uh, yeah. getting ready to go crazy. This is about to change oh. everything. A couple good shots to the head there. Are those tough oh, for you course. to watch now? Huh? Are, are some of those chair shots hard for you to watch now? No, not at all. Okay. Not at all. Not one little lick. Because I've been plastered plenty of times. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, now it's just a different time. You know, it's, I, under, I completely understand where everybody's at. But we're, you know, back then, that's what it was, man. You just let it rip. You can put your hand up if you want to, but if you don't, you're going to get laced anyway. So it was never, no, it's, I mean, it's cool to me. I mean, that's, that's what chair shots should be. And he took them like a champ. So, I mean. <laughs> oh, he sure did. And the, you got Terry Funk there. I think he's like, he's held on to the uh, cage by a chain around his neck. Sure. Guy was yeah, insane. This is vintage stuff right here. Oh, this yeah. is, this is attitude era stuff right here. This is how come we won the war because we didn't, we pulled it all. We did it all. It didn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You stretch him out on the cage. You beat Mick to, until you're done beating him up. I mean, this is attitude era stuff. This is why it was so hot. And you, I mean, you knew that this was going to be, I mean, this was a no brainer, right? You knew this was going to take off and you guys are going to help, oh, help her run yeah. together. I mean, yeah, from night one, when this all happened, the people were going absolutely insane. And after this night, every time we came out, they heard that DX music. They went berserko. I'm saying almost as close to when the glass breaks, when DX music hits, people go insane. And it's super, it's awesome, man. It's, there ain't no feeling like that. Well, they still do. I mean, you get, you know, you get back there a couple of times or you've done a couple of those reunion shows. It's, you know, one of the biggest pops of the night still. Yeah, that Hall of Fame thing, when they heard that and then we came out in the truck, they went absolutely. And that's, that's in itself is enough to make everything go away. All your troubles, all your cares, all your aches, all your pains. They go away when they hear that music, whether they hear Mr. Ass music or they hear DX music or whatever. When they hear it, they blow. They, they are so loud and they are so into it that it's just, that's, that's, what, that's, that's what you look for. Like if they stop doing that, I'll have to stop wrestling because it won't be any fun anymore. Yeah, but you're, I mean, <clears throat> I hate to, you know, bang on the current product, but I mean, you guys coming out in a little mini tank, that's a bigger pop than anyone on the current roster is getting. Yeah, and it's, you know, it was because... I think, and it's nothing against these kids now because they work so hard and they're trying to do their best. They're just, they have, I feel that they have a leash on them. They have a little bit tighter reins and we, where we didn't have that. So you have to give them a little bit of a break because they don't have the reins that we have. Their leash is very short to where our leash was non-existence. It was, it was, we were in a fight with another company. It was, yes, Vince would say, please don't do that tonight. And we would go out there and go a hundred times more than he really wanted. So yeah, we had a little bit more leeway to do some stuff. And we had a, like, we had a group that no, we could do no wrong. Like, I mean, we literally could do no wrong. Like I mean, everything so we did just turned to gold. I mean, if someone handed you a five page script back then for a promo, what would you have done? 
oh, yeah, I'd have thrown it in their face or made them eat it, one of the two. I mean, some people just aren't good at memorizing stuff, and they're so focused no. on memorizing it that they look like a really shitty actor as opposed to, you know, someone that's in a, like, supposedly real situation and in a fight for their life. So, uh, yeah. so what are you going to be doing for AEW, and how do you think you can help the company? I'm just going to help the talent kind of manage what they do. Right now, it's, it's what we said earlier. They just do so much stuff. They really, they, they have to understand we're about to shoot a TV show every single week. Mm-hmm. If you give me all of your stuff, every chance that you get, I'm overseeing your stuff. So they've got to understand it's okay to give them just a little bit and make them want more. That's all we did. That's all that your big stars do. They give you just enough to make you want more, to make you want to see me. So my job will be to kind of help the talent with decision making and trying to trying to you know organize some of their matches a little bit better for them and really whatever they need me to do. I mean, live TV is a whole nother animal, so we'll just be kind of managing how everybody works through live TV. And you're going to be on the road every week, every week, just like I am now. I'm going to go from the road to TVs and then come home for a day or two. Oh, you're 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 insane! But yeah, you enjoy know, <laughs> yeah. it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> hey, my wife. My wife says, "God, I love you," because <laughs> I'm not going to be home as much anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> so how how does AEW compete then? What do they? I mean, is it about being different? Is it about? It's it's not. I don't think it's competing. I don't. So I hate when when I don't hate. That, that's a strong word. I I disagree with us that we're trying to compare ourselves to WWE. Nobody can do it. Nobody's going to do it because he's been in business a very long time. But AEW is a whole different product. It's our product. So we are offering a new, a different type of entertainment to the wrestling fans. I'm not trying to put WWE out of business. I ain't trying to run head to head with you. I'm not trying to do nothing with you. I'm just giving people our product and our product is better than their product. So hopefully we'll get fans to transition. Will they watch both? Sure they will. Who wouldn't? If I'm a wrestling fan and there's wrestling on, I'm watching all kinds of it. I mean, I still do. I watch ROH. I watch, you know, Impact. I just want, because I'd like to see what the product is. What are they doing with their product? What can, so what are they doing that I can do different to make our product stand out amongst itself? Well, one, our talent. Our talent is is amazing, and as soon as we get some um, get to know you pieces where people kind of can feel a little bit more like they know our talent, then they're going to be even that much better. Well, that's one of the things I've said about the you know current WWE product is you know who who's Seth Rollins, right? Who's Roman Reigns? You don't even know who these guys are. They all look the same. They're great workers. They got great bodies. You know that's that's fantastic, but. You, there's no character development. So I think that's going to be a big piece of it is if you have the character development, then you slow these guys down in the ring a little bit and teach them some psychology. I think they, they're going to be fantastic. And, and I think you'll I be do too. in both. I do too. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So, so relationship with Vincent Hunter, is it good? Is it cordial? Is it bad? How are, how are you with them right now? It's what it is. It's, you know, I work for them. I made them a lot of money. They like me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I got, I have no hard feelings towards anybody i don't you know i'm not that guy anymore i don't it doesn't it doesn't matter if i see him i'll always say hello and try to pull vince off his feet and he hates that um because i shake hands really hard and he can't stand it so but um it's what it is man it's all good we're you know i worked for them a long time and and i and i love that i love that company um i love mine better though (laughs) so and how how do you want to be remembered by the fans 
Oh, God. I, I don't know. I really don't. You know, then I was just entertained. Then I was that they never were disappointed. Like I wasn't ever a pain in the ass. I wasn't I wasn't unaccessible that I was just, that I just gave up, you know, that I gave them what they wanted to see, that I was entertaining. I don't care if they don't know me for wrestling. I, cause I never really was into that. Um, just that they were entertained and they were happy when they saw me. And I'm good with that. That's, that's perfect for me. Did you prefer doing singles or tag? Oh, tag by all means. Uh, yeah, that's, that was, I mean, obviously my biggest success were all in tags, no matter who I was with Chuck, um, Bart, Brian, it didn't matter. You know, that was just my thing. I just, some people have a knack for it and I just have a knack for it. I just have a knack for putting stuff together, for making things make sense, making people follow along and have fun. So, I mean, it felt like that singles run had some steam. And then I, I just thought you got stopped in your tracks when you lost to the rock. I mean, did, were you disappointed that you didn't get the win there and they went with you a little bit more? Well, I thought, I thought being as it was my match, the kiss your ass match, that one, I thought I should have one because that was my deal like that's my whole thing so like everybody else on planet earth when they do their own stipulation match they always win except for me for some reason um i don't know you know i don't i don't look back on that i don't hark on that it was what it was i had fun doing it it just maybe somebody said that that just wasn't my knack and and i'm okay with that because everything i did with brian or chuck or bart was gold so that outweighs the one singles thing that I had. No, even that. And I mean, I, the smoking gun stuff was great. All the tag team stuff, the Billy and Chuck stuff was, was yeah. very uh, entertaining. <laughs> so yeah. last thing I want, last thing I want to ask you is if, if there's one moment in your career, you could relive or step back into and do all over again, what would it be? Oh my God. Good question. Um, oh God. I have no idea. <laughs> you stumped me. Um, God, I don't know. I really don't. I don't know what I would do. You know, there's like, I, I can't think of anything that I would rather do over. Everything was good. Everything was, you know, was what it needed to be. And it was where, you know, at the time was good for me. And I can't, I really can't complain about nothing. I've been so lucky. I was with, you know, WWE for how long and then got to go coach. And now I'm with another company that's just starting. That's amazing. So, I mean, I can't complain. I got no complaints and I, there's nothing I would really do over. I don't think maybe Ixnay, the rockabilly stuff, but you know, without that, you don't have me and Brian. I don't think so. There's a, there was a place and a purpose for everything. So if I go back and change it, it might change the outcome of where I am today. Talking to you. Yeah. No, it <laughs> was a hall of famer yeah. on no doubt. Hall, hall of Famer, and, and ironically, you went in the same year as the Honky Tonk Man. <laughs> yes, how about that? And Tori Wilson, how about that? That's right, that's right. I brought, I brought them all to the promised land. <laughs> well, hey, this was, this was a lot of fun. It was fun reliving uh, some of these great moments. It's been a hell of a career. Uh, I, you know, I have no doubt that you're going to be a huge asset for AEW, and there's stuff that we'll see that you'll be uh, – pulling the puppet strings on straighten these guys out, helping them out. So, uh, thanks for being on the payoff. We, uh, we really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. And the one thing I do want to say is kind of keep a lookout from the gun club stuff. I got this new, Yeah, um, tell us about that. So I've got this, me and my wife and my boys kind of wanted to start this gym wear clothing. We um, teamed up with nine line apparel, which is the, they're, they're amazing people there um, in Savannah, Georgia. So I can't really say that much because we're not debuting it until two weeks, but I do want people to kind of keep a lookout. It's just 
casual gym wear. It's for everybody. It's not just for the, you know, people that go to the gym. It's kind of cool stuff we've done. My wife's done an amazing job of putting this together. Um, but it's going to be a lot of fun. I just want people to kind of just keep that in the back of their minds. And when it comes out, take a look at it. We'll I'll be sharing some videos and stuff that they can go to and check it out. It'll be, it's, it's a lot of fun. Great. And by the time this airs, it'll already be out. So look for it. It's Gun okay. Club. We'll, uh, we'll put it on our social media. We'll make sure to share Thank the you. stuff that you're posting as well. But we appreciate the time. Appreciate you coming on here on the payoff. And uh, hope you have a great day. And uh, look forward to seeing you out there at conventions and yeah. <laughs> AEW coming to a town near you three nights a week. I mean, my <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's time for the aftermath. Welcome back. As always, got to thank the badass Billy Gunn for joining us once again. Just great having him here on the show. So um, as I kind of teased at the top of the episode, I actually got to see uh, Billy Gunn in action recently. Uh, it was actually when AEW Dynamite was in town. A uh, little backstory. Uh, I was sitting, uh, I was on the floor, kind of sixth row. Um, I had my back to the hard camera. And so um, it was an AEW episode that was on Wednesday night. And it was the week that they were doing the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal. Um, so it's kind of cool for me because I got to see a bunch of people that you know may not otherwise have gotten the scene. So that kind of helped. And so um, this was actually, it was back mid-November. Uh, it was actually the final two then got um, an opportunity to, for the take on the world champions. So it was MJF and Hangman Page. Um, but it was a little bit of a spot fest, but one of the cooler moments in the battle Royal was one of the surprise entrants was Billy Gunn. And so it was cool because, you know, seeing him and he, he doesn't get in the ring much, but man, he can still go. Um, he got into it with Orange Cassidy a little bit. Um, MJF threw Orange Cassidy over the ropes, and then he kind of did that wrestler move where he backed into Billy Gunn. At that point, uh, you know, kind of complimenting Billy Gunn here, I can't even really describe, especially if you haven't been to a show live or like kind of stood around wrestlers. Billy Gunn towered over everyone else in the room. The dude's and massive. Like, he's a lot of those older guys. Like I was like DDP. I felt was like eight feet tall when we saw him at Starcast. But like Billy Gunn just towered, and like dude is still jacked as hell. And so I'm not saying like size equals greatness. Like thankfully my partner feels the same way. But like I just want to point out that it was great seeing him out there. You know, especially after, I mean, it's, that was 2019, you know, we're talking about the late nineties, he's been going for that long. Uh, I just got to believe that he wouldn't be out there if he wasn't having a ton of fun with doing this. I think kind of hearing him and kind of talking to him, I think he's still having a ton of fun out there doing what he's doing. So again, a little bit of a story there, but worth it. Good stuff. Appreciated him being on the show once again, Tom, what'd you think of the payoff? I loved it, man. I absolutely loved it. Um, this was a restart. I mean, it was a restart because you have a new champion that's never been world champion before. Clearly, Steve Austin is the company. He's the main star. You're going with this guy 100%. You got no Bret Hart anymore. 
Shawn Michaels is nowhere to be found. You got Triple H stepping up into this new role. You got The Rock coming on hot later in the year. So it's an interesting new era. I mean, if the Attitude Era hadn't begun prior to this, it certainly began this night. And then Triple H, man, he's he's now elevated to a main star. You got a new version of DX that still did some incredible, memorable stuff. It's interesting because, you know, the original DX was Sean and, and, and Triple H in China and, and Rick Rude for a little bit there. That was awesome, and they did some super, super memorable stuff. But then this version, this New Age Outlaws, X-Pac, you know, Triple H version, this was a great version too, and they did some incredible stuff. So rarely do you have two different versions of a faction where they're both awesome and you could argue either was better than the other. You can't do that with others, right? Like, no one's saying that, oh, yeah, uh, you know, Jeff Jarrett and the Four Horsemen was the best. I mean, no, it wasn't. It sucked, right? No one's saying that, oh, yeah, when there were 18 members of the NWO, man, it was, it was the best it ever was. Nobody's saying that. But DX is interesting because it, two, different, two different incarnations, both were incredible. Arguably, either of them could have been better. And they had a lot of longevity where they did some awesome stuff. So... I loved it. This starts version 2.0, if you will, and it was great. Uh, so tell us about the aftermath of what took place following this. Yeah, so, of course, like we said, we kind of hit a hard stop there, but WrestleMania 14, the Outlaws, quote, lose the belts. Um, it looked like there was going to be, you know, I say hot shotting, um, because the next night, the New Age Outlaws won them back. So, like I said, I say hot shot, but there was, of course, some disputing of the win. And, of course, as, you know, in wrestling, this is the only time this would fly. But there, there was disputing over whether or not they actually, uh, or Cactus and Chainsaw actually won the belts because they did not use, as is in the rules, you and I know this, Tom, they did not use the proper dumpster that they were supposed to use um, in their dumpster match. It, you know, I feel like that's wrestling 101. You, you, you know which dumpster you're supposed to use. Like that, it, it, basics right there. You know, it's day one at the PC. So, so we make sure that, you know, they understand that. And so, of course, the only way to settle this argument, as, as we all know, is in a steel cage. So we now have the next night to figure out who is the actual, uh, in, at the time, vacated winner, uh, or, you know, vacate, or to win the vacated belt. We have the state or the steel cage match between Cactus and Chainsaw and the New Age Outlaws. So um, they ended up winning, um, really because of a bunch of interference. Um, I will kind of read through here because it's just the match itself was just kind of fun. Uh, I, I guess um, it, it had some moments here, but uh, the new age outlaws beat cactus Jack and chainsaw Charlie at four minutes, 40 seconds to capture the held up WWF tag team titles were road dog war war Al snow's job squad t-shirt and the back red pin me pay me with the body outline lying on the mat. Uh, if that was a good shirt, I do remember that shirt. So um, the outlaws chained funk by the neck to the cage, which I will talk about a little bit later. Um, Cactus gave the Outlaws a double DDT and then climbed the cage. Hunter, X-Pac, and China ran to the ring. Uh, X-Pac gave Cactus a chair shot that led to the pin. So 
Of course, at the very end of this match, then, is we have the formation of DEX with Jerry Lawler said that the Outlaws are the newest addition to Degeneration X, and the show uh, it came to a close with the title banner at the end there. So, um, interesting kind of how it played out. I know you and I are going to talk about it some more, but like that's just the basics of kind of how this played out in the aftermath of that match itself. So um, they actually held the belts for quite a while through most of 1998 at that point. Um, Tom, I know I have it in my notes, uh, you know, but to the fans out here and, and you yourself, like, do you know, and you can see it, but you know who they lost the belts to eventually. I have no idea. And so it was the corporation members, not the ministry, but this the, the corporation of Ken Shamrock and the Big Boss Man. So quite the tag team there of the two of them. So um, who they eventually lost it to. So in 1999, it had them. Oh, and, and, and hey, kids at home that are upset about Sergeant Slaughter not having a uh, lengthy uh, record as a Marine, uh, the Big Boss Man, um, you know, was not a shoot cop. I think he was at one point maybe a security guard in prison. So, you know, these are gimmicks, uh, not shoots. I loved the blue shirt, big boss man. I didn't care. Oh, the best. Dude, and he was – here's the thing about the big boss man. Go watch some of his steel cage matches against Hulk Hogan. Dude's taking a superplex off the top of the damn thing. Ray Trailer could move, and he could work, man. He was awesome. Uh, one of my favorite matches of all time was the big boss man versus the Mountie. But um, I don't know why I like that match, but I do. So, uh, you know, the little thing. So, uh, so they ended up losing that. And so 1999 actually had them like, really on and off both feuding and tagging. Um, you know, they, they both won uh, some single titles. There was the hardcore championship. There was the intercontinental or European. I forget. Um, I don't have, but I knew I have the one title. Yeah. But um, it was actually in, at the end or during that year, uh, Billy was uh, quote kicked out of the generation X. Um, it was actually a cover for him to go get surgery. Um and that that was that year. Um, Road Dog was eventually uh, some out of the ring issues. Uh, he was actually suspended from the WWFE, um, and then he was actually released in 2001. So um, worked out for him now, obviously, but um, had some issues with that. So Tom, some fun stuff here, and I know we're gonna just chat through a little bit more of it. But um, what did you think of just the aftermath and kind of you know? what happened? Yeah. I mean, I think they really came into their own. Um, I mean, they had a, a really long run. They did some awesome stuff. Uh, you know, I, I, I just loved it. You know, I mean, again, we're going to cover obviously more of DX and more of the things that they did in, in this version, but overall big fan, um, just a kind of few random things to add to this. You know, and I mentioned this before, you know, we, we think of the Attitude Era as, oh my God, it was perfect. And every Raw was like this crazy up and down roller coaster, two hours of perfect wrestling and great angles and larger than life characters. Dude, let me tell you about the Raw after this, okay? Dan Severin beating Flash Funk in three minutes. Steve Blackman defeating Brian Christopher in five minutes. Owen Hart beating The Rock by DQ. Luna, 
accompanied by Goldust defeating a jobber in 26 seconds. Shamrock and Mark Marrow go into a no contest. And then in the main event, DX defeating the Disciples of Apocalypse. Chain, Skull, and 8-Ball in another nine gr- minutes. Another great stable that we don't talk about enough. But anyways. So, I, again, I mean, it's not like... I mean, that's not a great wrestling show. If you watch that now, you'd be like, this is terrible. But again, the Attitude Era was perfect. So just something to, to keep in mind there. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about before we give our payoff score and, and talk right, write-ups and reviews... This is one of, like I said, the first major night after WrestleMania moments, okay? Um, I want to rattle off some of the, the best of all time, and then I'll, I'll share what I think my best one was, but I, I want you to share yours first. Um, Steve Austin and Triple H joining together. That's the night after um, Austin turned heel. Uh, the Rock and Cena scheduling their WrestleMania match for a year in advance. Goldberg making his WWE debut. Mankind making his uh, debut. That was uh, two years prior to this show in 1996. Um, Obviously, this DX moment's been on a lot of lists and and regarded as one of the best moments. Uh, The Ultimate Warrior giving what became his final address. Ziggler winning the world championship with the money in the bank. HBK giving his retirement speech. Ric Flair giving his retirement speech. Brock Lesnar coming back uh, in Miami the night after WrestleMania, Paige debuting and winning the uh, Divas Championship from AJ, uh, Linda McMahon announcing a brand split, and then there were some various call-ups like uh, Enzo and Cass and Rusev and Umaga and Neville, Lars Sullivan. Um, probably leaving some off, but I know those are a lot of the big ones. Uh, of those, Jeff, what's your favorite or, or give me maybe your top two? I, I think like that, it's a fun list, like kind of looking at that and kind of talking about it. Um, I, I think for I don't, the ones that stick in my brain for whatever reason is just kind of remembering it or kind of seeing it. Um, oddly enough, like Ziggler winning is, is for whatever reason, just kind of stuck there in my head. Um, and kind of watching that happen and unfold. It was a great pop uh, against uh, Alberto Del Rio. Um, and so that was really good. Uh, oddly enough, too, I know like he has it, he had his demons and, you know, people feel a certain way about him and I understand that in the ultimate warrior, but, but him, that whole, like, you know, we, we, you and I weren't talking wrestling as much at that point, but like that chain of events with him, Getting into the Hall of Fame, I, I think he kind of exercised some of his demons. And then him being on Raw, cutting a promo, and people talking about he didn't look great. I still remember like some of the write-ups saying like when he shook the ropes, it didn't look great. Um, and then him like what two nights or the next night like dying like, the next you know, night. Just, yeah, next the next, yeah, and so I remember reading it on TMZ, like, and so of like all places because it was that was the, such a big deal, and so, um, but I still like that speech is still you know however you feel about him, I feel like it was still a good speech that he was speaking from the heart on that one. So, um, but I, and those two, especially like it's, they got the call ups, you know, I always enjoy the debuts the next night. Um, anymore now, I feel like they're not doing a great job of debuting people, especially like. Like 
you know, John Morrison opens a door and all of a sudden John Morrison's back in WWE. It's like, wait a minute, like you could have terrible a job in that. And so, um, but like Enzo and Cass, like you said, that was a real shocker. Like when they came out and their music hit and they, they were paired against the right people with the Dudley boys and you know, that worked out really well. And so, um, yeah, good stuff. But like, that's just, um, it, it's funny looking back on that too in that post mania or yeah, raw. You know, it's, it's tough for me. Um, I, I gotta say, uh, in a lot of ways, that Roxena thing is my favorite. I just thought that was, again, we watched this stuff for like five hours a week, plus pay-per-views. There's not a whole hell of a lot of unique wow moments anymore. I just remember that one being like, holy shit, he's coming back. He's wrestling. They are going to have a year build. I love that. I thought it was awesome. Um, also love Lesnar's debut. Uh, the Flair and HBK retirements were fantastic. So, but if I had to pick one, the Rock and Cena scheduling a match a year in advance. So, pretty cool stuff. Um, other quick question for you, Jeff. The hmm. after WrestleMania Raw fans, uh, the beach balls, the chants, the all that stuff. Love it, hate it, or are you somewhere in the middle? I love it. I, I do I, too. A crowd can make or break the show. And like you, you we see it on Twitter. We see it, you know, and um, you know, in the in the dirt sheets and kind of what's being written of like, oh, the crowd is dead. And like, you know, and there are there are absolutely some cities where like it they're just not there's not a whole lot happening. Um, but then you know you go to certain places like Chicago, they're gonna pop hard. Like I think there was somewhere like in the Northwest that like it, it was like a, like a Seattle or Portland or something like the crowd was hot. And like, if you've got a hot crowd, it makes or breaks just so much of whether or not. And so do I think like the beach balls, like, is that a little bit much? Maybe, you know, I can understand why that, because it is a distraction. Um, because the, and you got fans of champs, you know, I, the, I think uh, the post, uh, what was it when um, a Roman cut his debut after uh, beating the undertaker? Oh, and I was I say, there for that one. Well, and I, I, I remember you texting, you had, you're smart enough to wear a yellow shirt in the crowd. Um, so you you stand out. So a certain Hulkamania shirt, but um, like that one. And then I say he cut a promo. He stood in the ring for 10 minutes. <laughs> like, and so, you know, that's one too. Another big one that like, forget about like that was, yeah. Like that was a big deal too. And so, and the crowd on that one, that wouldn't have been possible if the crowd wasn't just nuclear in regards to their hatred toward Roman Reigns. So yeah, I I think it's worth it. All right. So give us the write up of this. Let's talk payoff score and hit the road. Not a ton because it was just a, I say just a raw. (laughs) And like you said, there wasn't a, a, the post raw kind of, you know, syndrome wasn't a thing at this point. So, um, but I did one of the write-ups, uh, it was a wrestling observer newsletter. They wrote, um, at the end of the show, Hunter and Xbox Waltman, a Hunter and Waltman attacked Cactus Jack and Terry Funk during their match against the new age outlaws. The show ended with strong signals that the outlaws were also joining DX. It will be revealed on raw next Monday that road dog and Billy gun have joined DX. I wonder if it was taped anyways, although one or two more people could have been, could be added to the group 
There are no immediate plans to do so, and DX will remain a four horsemen type heel group rather than expand to the size of WCW's NWO and portray itself as an organization trying to take over the WWF. Although apparently there is no set timetable for Michael's return, nor set plans for how his return will be handled. The seed has been planted for a feud between Michaels and Hunter when Michaels returns from his back injury. Four-year build. Yeah, right. (laughs) That's a hell of a build. So uh, from here, DX will end up getting the entire WWF angry at them as they mess with heels and baby faces alike in the upcoming weeks. Was that uh, that from the uh, Torch or the Observer? I think it was the Observer. Yeah. Okay, I'm surprised he didn't say that Mabel was going to be the uh, fifth man of uh, DX. Yeah, that would have been funny. <laughs> um, I, my thoughts on this write-up, I, I think it it's interesting because like, oh, so we have the hindsight to look back and read this and now know how this played out. Um, I thought it was the, the comparison of like, they don't want to be the size of WCW's NWO. And I was kind of reading this and copying it in here. I did think that was interesting because... There's just so many members. There were so many members of NWO, and I'm almost wondering if that's why I put Degeneration Next a little bit higher, is because NWO had 15 people. Like there was just so many people running around, like being, you know, they had the black and white. Um, whereas DX was like kind of tight and kind of, you know, how they had. And so um, I, I did appreciate too the organization trying to take over the WWF. I think, well, they really took over wrestling, like especially like the invasion angle, and, or I say invasion angle like when they drove the tank up the wcw like it's what it was um yeah, they really took over everything which i think was good so um tom you got any other thoughts on that one no nothing to add to it let's uh let's talk payoff score and, and i i can go first you know i again we make the rules on these payoff scores so it's not just the match but it's the moment it's everything that occurred and in totality when you look at HBK leaving, Triple H cutting the promo, the shock of X-Pac coming, jumping, right, uh, off of WCW and the NWO into the WWF, then them, you know, getting the New Age Outlaws to join up on the four corners of the cage to end the show. Dude, this is good stuff. I got this thing at an eight and a half. It was, it wasn't perfect, but it was pretty damn good, especially knowing what they got out of it. So I got this thing as an eight and a half of what occurred that night um, in, in this new DX. Jeff, what about you, man? Yeah, I um, a few things here. I, I enjoyed, um, and you said it a little bit. One, I I had I don't ever forget because I know I took a South Park uh, poster board. Uh, you know, sign to a WWF fan um, or WWF show uh, myself as we all did in that age. And I enjoyed Billy Gunn in the uh, Kenny shirt because that was just the time that was the thing. Um, I think I very much wish they would bring back the old cage style. Um, One, it was way easier to watch a match, but like two, it's just a, it was really a, piss poor design but it was that it was still fun too <laughs> so um i like just the old rickety looking cage and it really does like nowadays in 2020 it looks rickety as hell having the old cage i talked about it, i didn't get into it too much i thought that the chainsaw stuff like him being tied to 
the cage, it just was a lot to watch. I don't know if it's just me personally or kind of, you know, how I'm built, but like, like he was really not a non-factor the whole time. So, um, that I was just like, I think it was more annoyed by it in the end. I was like, can we just cut him down? Like, can we just like, you know, can somebody sweet chin him or something? And we just, we're done with this. Um, and of course, and I always bring it up, like, just because, you know, the, the chair shots, knowing what we know nowadays, like some of them, like they lean into them. It's like, oof. Um, I like can't a, watch them, man. I cringe when I see the headshots now. They, the the ones with where he was hanging outside of the cage when X-Pac first yep. ran in, those were tough. Like like that, he really, and he gave him like an extra one, like not intentionally, but like, you know, hit him another time. It just kept laying into him. But then, um, and then he kind of did, tuck one of the ones on the ring but he still took a chair shot so um i am giving this one a i, I say a seven and a half the like uh, like those weird things aside like that was just old wrestling so i can't ding it for that um but i think that like you said the overall like the groundwork that it laid was just very you can't deny it um so i think that i like i said i ding it a little bit it just maybe i do maybe i am dinging it a little bit just because the match itself was just weird in some ways but i think like in the larger picture of it and kind of what they contributed i probably should score it higher um but i'm gonna leave it at that because i just i it was you know i was sports entertained it what it boils down to and they gave me years of sports entertainment so you know you can't deny how good that piece of it was so um yeah, Tom, any final thoughts then? Wrap this one up. No, just a just a fun note that uh, you know, we're talking about DX and it was just announced today while we're recording this that uh they are uh I guess it's gonna be Sean, Triple H, Road Dog, and X Pac are gonna be at the uh Madison Square Garden house show coming up. I did see that. Is that is that a house show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course they are. So uh, worth it. But yep. Okay, so with Close that, out. good stuff, of course. Uh, thanks again to Billy Gunn. Uh, best of luck to him out there, AEW. I know his uh, he wrestled, a, I think we're going to get a dark match. Uh, may already, uh, maybe what, next week, him and his son um, wrestling. And so that'll be great. Um, uh, we find him on Twitter. He's at RealBillyGunn. Um, and so definitely check him out. Of course, his partner as well, Road Dog. Um, he is w- at WWE Road Dog with two G's. So make sure to check him out too. Yeah, he's the D O double G. That's right. Exactly. Thank you for uh, the spelling lesson today. So good stuff. Uh, it's just like always, we start the show, close it out again. Subscribe to the payoff if you aren't already. Give us those five stars. Spread the word. Especially we've been gone for a little bit. We're going to pump up that social media. Make sure everybody knows about it. But spread the word about the show. Make sure people know that we are back. We are enjoying this. We are doing what we like. And so, of course, uh, all that social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, share those posts at Payoff Pod. You can find us. So, um, Tom, I don't have uh, anything great uh, to kind of to take us into the closing here, uh, you know, to kind of set us up. So we'll just start uh, 2020 with a fresh slate, and I'll let you uh, close it out. You know, I had nothing planned, but I just came up with something good. Go for it. We got two words for you. The payoff. <laughs>